the pulpit mic off, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, we do want to keep this passage in context. This is the um, armor of God. And so often uh, this uh, passage is taken uh, I'll stand alone and that we should be out there fighting and, and swinging the sword of the Spirit. And, uh, of course, you have the Pentecostals trying to slay people in the Spirit and all kinds of, of uh, other foolishness, we might uh, say. And yet, if we will just read uh, the context, let's go back to verse chapter 5 and verse 22, uh, 21, it says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. Now, that is the guide here. That is the summary of everything before it and really the summary of everything after it. Um, Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself forth. That is submitting yourselves one unto another, just as it says here in verse 22, in the fear of God. Children, obeying your parents, not because your parents are perfect. Uh, uh, I think they, they run a ad... Um, uh, on thing you don't have to be perfect to be a foster parent and of course uh, the implication is to be a real parent of course you're not perfect amen uh, the the truth is that's not what it takes it takes submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God that's how parents are good parents that's how children are good children we, we understand that we have positions, we have uh, tasks and duties that are outlined in the Bible, and we are supposed to fill, fulfill those. The same with masters and servants. Paul is not taking a, an abrupt turn here when we get to verse 10, and all of a sudden, leaving interpersonal relationships, and now we are the army of God, watch, marching out to destroy the devil, and uh, Jesus is the one that fights the devil, not you. Uh, every so often, I've alluded to this fairly regularly, I get a phone call, uh, uh, do, you, do you believe in... In, in, in spirits and, and in curses and all of those things, and I know what's coming next. And uh, I try to explain to people, you want protection from the devil. Obey Jesus Christ. That's how you get protected from the devil. Hide behind the Lord. And uh, also, we're, uh, I am working. Um, I'm not sure exactly when this is going to come to be. But for years and years and years, my whole ministry, we've had this ongoing debate with what is called standards in the ministry. And, and uh, uh, by that, what they mean is uh, uh, rules that we follow or patterns of behavior that, that we follow uh, and uh, that are not specifically spelled out in uh, the Bible. Uh, one of those things would be, uh, ladies, if you attend the ladies' meeting, uh, they deal with modesty. Uh, in the Apostle Paul's day, almost everyone was wearing a robe uh, of some type. Ladies' robes were different than men's robe, but you were talking about something from shoulder to ankle and, and uh, covered all the way to the wrist and and, and so it, it's a whole different ball game today. We have standards in music. When uh, if if uh, one of the men's going to be usher, we ask that they would uh, wear a tie and a sports coat. That's a that's a standard. And uh, so oftentimes, what happens is we try to use standards to protect us from sin, and that never ever works. 
And uh, I want you to pray with that because I want to, uh, I, I am trying to deal with some things that uh, I have had many discussions with pastors uh, my entire ministry. And, and at this point, then some things are coming into focus here and hopefully be able to um, uh, bring that to you as well. But what we're de- dealing with here from Ephesians 5 and verse 22 down to Ephesians 6, And verse 9 is what we would call interpersonal relationships. Husbands, wives, children, parents, uh, in our modern day equivalent, employees and uh, bosses or administrators. And how those are supposed to behave. Then we get to verse 10 and he says, finally, my brethren. Uh, this is not a completely different subject. This, in essence, is uh, the capstone. This is how we are going to accomplish this, submitting ourselves one to another in the fear of God. How that husbands are going to be husbands, wives are going to be biblical wives, children are going to follow the rules. When we go to work, we'll be able to behave ourselves biblically in the work environment whether we are an administrator, supervisor type person, or just a regular employee, that we would know how to behave ourselves. And so now Paul says, listen, this isn't going to happen unless you're strong in the Lord. I mean, how many of you have had to put up with difficult situations at work? Hannah, do not raise your hand. Uh, she's our only actual employee at this point. Uh, but uh, the truth of the matter is, if you work at a place that has people, you're going to have difficult times now, aren't you? Uh, if you're in customer service, uh, what shall I say? Uh, I will be praying for you uh, because you're going to deal with problems. Uh, that's... That's what customer service is. And how are you going to deal with people if you are not strong in the Lord? I'll tell you what, you're not. You're going to fail. It's not going to work. Uh, Often as I am dealing with people, trying to counsel them and help, in, in situations, I will uh, I come back to a phrase that I like to use. Someone has to be the adult in the situation. Now, often we're talking about adults, but we're talking about uh, many times we have problems because in a uh, in a marriage relationship, one of the spouses will be come, be start behaving unscripturally or. Uh, not with the level of spiritual maturity that should be expected. Uh, and there's got to be somebody that is going to be the adult, uh, uh, possibly absorb some of the abuse and misuse of this other person until they come, the other person comes back to the Lord. You cannot make people do right. You cannot force others to follow the prescribed path. But on the other side of the coin, we might say the other part of that, are you going to allow the misbehavior of others to stop you from serving Christ? Can we afford to let that happen? Let's go back to verse uh, 18 and uh, uh, and not 18, verse 16 of chapter 5, it says, Redeeming the time for the days are evil. We do not have time to waste. We have to deal with people and there are going to be problems that come our way. And if you are not strong in the Lord, guess who is going to fail? Well, You are. I am. If we are strong in the Lord, guess 
what the Bible says that we will have. We will have a successful outcome of this situation. Maybe not in our idea, but it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Now, uh, I've got to be careful. There are so many tangents attached to this passage that are just utterly important. One of them is forgiveness. How do we deal with forgiveness of other people? Uh, the traditional view, the world view is, well, I'm just going to be bigger than that. I forgive you. Uh, that is a bologna sandwich. Uh, that does not work. Uh, and how many of you have known someone who says, listen, I'm not going to hold that against you, and the next time something else happens, there it is again, right? Uh, how do we as believers in Christ deal with forgiveness? How do we take things that are often very hurtful and injurious and lay them aside and stop them from hindering our service for God? It's the power of His might, not mine. Forgiveness comes from Jesus Christ. How many sins did He pay for on the cross? All of them. Amen? Even those of people who refused to seek His forgiveness, Jesus paid for those sins on the cross. And when I surrendered my life to Jesus, not only did I surrender my accounts payable to the Lord Jesus Christ, my sin debt, I surrendered my accounts receivable, the sin debt of others towards me, and I transfer that entire mess and that entire problem to the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's a struggle to keep that in the hands of the Lord than to try to take care of it ourselves. But right here, as we finish this entire passage on wives, husbands, children, servants, and masters, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. How are we going to live this world, in this world? Well, we're not going to live it by being weak-kneed, little, whiny, baby-type Christians. That's not the way it works. Nor are we going to uh, bare-knuckle box our way, uh, punch our way out of every problem and show that we're tougher than the world is. It says that we need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Now, how do you do that? Put on the whole armor of God. I mean, the passage just lays out very, very simple here. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, I will tell you, do not, do not ever allow yourself to get in a chess game with the devil. You will lose every time. Uh, I've met people, they're, they're playing mind games. Okay, well, if you take your mind and give it to the Lord, then no one else can play with it. Amen? That's, that's what this passage is talking about here, being strong in the Lord, the power of His might. Why? So we can stand against the wiles of the devil. I want to challenge you, the devil is much more... Uh, deceitful. He is cunning. He is crafty. He is strong. He, he is far wiser than our collective wisdom in this room. There is no way that we can be prepared. Uh, read the book of Nehemiah. How many different ways did they try to attack Nehemiah? Uh, first of all, it was saying, listen, let us join with you. And when Nehemiah said, listen, you have uh, no memorial. There is nothing that is going to be in Jerusalem that reminds us of you. Because Jerusalem belongs to 
the Jewish people, and if you want to serve the Jewish God, you must be Jewish. And you're not, so therefore, you, you're going to serve your gods as you have for generations. You cannot fear the Lord and serve your own gods. So what was the next thing? They hired counselors against him, and they tried to trick him. And somebody came up, a prophetess came up and said, Listen, they're, uh, our prophet, uh, they're going to uh, sneak up and they're going to slay you in the night. They're going to assassinate you in your sleep. You need to go into the temple and protect yourself. And Nehemiah said, That doesn't make sense to me. And what they were doing was, the moment that he would have done that, they would have written letters to all of the government officials in the whole area saying that Nehemiah has fortified himself in the temple and is rebelling against the king. And they would have been able to lead the military forces in that area and try to destroy Jerusalem once again. Nehemiah didn't fall for the attack. Not because Nehemiah was smart. Not because he was so wise but because he was strong in the Lord. He was fearing the Lord. And one of the things that you don't have to be afraid of is when you're afraid of the Lord, when you have that proper respect and understanding of who God is, you don't need to be afraid of what man can do to you. Amen? Uh, This is how we stand strong in a world that thinks... That they own everything. And why shouldn't they? They serve, whether they admit it or not, they serve the devil. He is the prince of the power of the air. He is the ruler of darkness in this world. Uh, and, And so we want to understand here, it says, that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And we can talk about all these different kind of wiles. That's why you hear me repeating this. I mean, what, what makes, what sounds better than having a purpose-driven life? Well, I mean, it sounds really good. The only problem is it's the wrong purpose. The purpose-driven life is a book written by Rick Warren. And the purpose of the purpose-driven life is so that you can have a good life. Now, let me ask you something. Is Jesus going to live in your heart and not give you a good life and make you miserable and wretched all your life and, and just torture you? Is that the Jesus of the Bible? But yet, that seems to be the idea that Mr. Warren puts out in his book because you can't get what you want but you can get what you want if you'll follow Mr. Warren's book it's a trick because our heart doesn't want the right things only Jesus wants what's best are are we together on that and so we want to be strong in the power of his might we want to Uh, be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, and we have to understand something. Our enemy is not flesh and blood. Now, it talks about principalities against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, Now, If you've been paying attention to everything that is going on in the last several months, uh, the attacks against our president, uh, this is kind of scary stuff. Uh, We have FBI agents. uh, We have the Democratic National Committee hiring uh, MI6 people to write papers and produce quote-unquote evidence fabricated out of nothing. Talk about Russian collusion. Uh, I mean, it it wasn't uh, the president. It goes back to that same old thing. People are guilty of what they accuse you of. And and, uh, how are you going to stop this? I'm going to go down to Washington, D.C. No, you're just going to get arrested. That's what you're going to get. you know, if you really want to know how to fight these things, you've got to understand. 
Nancy Pelosi does not have horns coming out of her head. Neither do the rest of these people. They are not the devil. They sometimes act like it, but they're not. And if you're not careful, you will become prey to the conspiratorialist. How many of you have ever met one of those people? The black helicopter people. They love talk about black helicopters. If you ever meet someone and they start talking about black helicopters, just kind of go, yes, have a nice day. I'll see you later. Whatever you got, I don't want. Uh, or they talk about the, what is it, the Rothschilds and the Bilderbergers and uh, all of those secret meetings. Are people having secret meetings and planning wicked things? Absolutely. They have since Cain counseled with himself to murder Abel. But if they had one-tenth of the power that the people who write the books about them said they would, they would use it. And they can't because they don't. You see, the devil is the one that keeps this thing going. That's why they can't quit. That's why they can't stop. And how we fight and how we do involve ourselves in this wrestling match with an unseen foe is not by going out there and trying to close all the abortion clinics and trying to do this and do that and and get uh, the Bible taught in public schools. and No, this is how you deal with it. You have to realize that the enemy is the devil. And that his influence, the devil's not dumb. He doesn't believe in trickle-up uh, saturation of a society. He works with the leaders. He spiritual wickedness in high places. If he can, it, it, the if you want to study the history of quote unquote denominational Christianity, let me tell you the Methodist, 150 years ago, preached the gospel. Most of them preached you could lose your salvation, but they preached a a recognizable gospel message. And you had some very conservative Methodist preachers who loved the Bible and I expect to see in heaven someday. But at denominational headquarters and in their Bible colleges, they went against the Bible and begin denying the virgin birth of Jesus Christ and the miracles and all of these things. Uh, the Southern Baptist Convention in the 1940s and 50s, uh, their main college, there was a teacher there named Honeycutt who believed the Bible was a storybook. And we have a whole generation of preachers. In the Bible college I attended, we had a music professor whose main interest was subverting students and teaching them that music was a neutral medium through which messages are transmitted and and now we have an entire movement of independent Baptist churches that have swallowed that poison pill. How do we fight against those things? Uh, by having our own Bible college that teaches the truth. That, that's how we support fight against those things. By being in prayer, by serving God simply and honestly in our own church. You have to understand here that the enemy is not the people. It's really easy. Uh, Philip and I went out passing out tracks this morning. Astoria Boulevard. Historically, it is the station where the most people refuse the tracks. Uh, I don't know why, but uh, I mean, it just seemingly is. Still, uh, we passed out more tracks in 30 minutes than you do all uh, Sunday morning and uh, I mean, all Saturday morning, the whole time you're out, uh, we still passed out more tracks. But, uh, wow, I mean, I would have sometimes ten minutes of people just, I mean, steady stream, three or four wide, and not one of them would take a track. 
And you know, you sit there and go, what's wrong with these people? Dirty, rotten liberals. Hate God. Hate all. That's not the enemy. Those are the people we're trying to win. Hello? And, and we can do the same thing politically and, and all of this. You have to understand, that's not, those aren't the enemy. The fact that they are listening to the enemy, the fact that they are being influenced by the enemy, and the only answer is the gospel, and many people we understand. It says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. And this word stand is all through this passage here. Um, a dear friend of mine in the ministry, Brother Hardy, he says, I don't like hold the fort. We're not supposed to hold the fort. We're supposed to move forward. Uh, well, if I study my Bible correctly, not to disagree too strongly with Brother Hardy here, but it doesn't say advance, it says stand. You read the letters to the churches. It says, hold fast that which thou hast. I did quote him this verse. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous runneth into it and is safe. Uh, 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 But uh, the ideal here is, Jesus is the one that does the fighting. And you must understand that a partial representation or a partial arming of yourself with the armor of God is just about as good as nothing. In fact, sometimes it's even more than worthless. Uh, A preacher I knew in uh, Baltimore, Maryland for many years, he was an army ranger in Korea and uh, had won many awards on the battlefield for valor and that. And he, he said that as the uh, North Korean would try to, army would try to overrun their positions, uh, they would eventually get to the point to where uh, the first lines of American soldiers, and he said the first thing one of those uh, North Korean soldiers would do is reach down and grab an American helmet. They thought they were invincible, and he'd put that thing on and stand up, and it was pink, and he was out of the, arm, uh, out of the battle forever. Uh, uh, but there's so many Christians that are just like that. I put on the helmet of salvation. I can stand against everything. Uh, no, you need the whole armor of God. And uh, we could spend a Thursday night on each part, but that's not our goal as we go through this book this time. We're trying to move a little faster here. Loins, gird about with truth. Do you know what holds you your life together? It is truth. What is the big battle that's going on in our society today? It is over truth. What is truth? And and, and they have a um, uh, what was the phrase? Is uh, alternate truth? I mean, my mama was smart enough to know what to call that. It's a lie. Uh, you have what is true and what is not. You cannot have uh, alternate lines of truth. You cannot have opposing truths. Um, Just like everything can't be right. There is a right. There is a wrong. There is an absolute. There is uh, and truth. If we want to know what truth is, the biblical definition, Jesus said, I am what? The way, what's the next one? The truth. You want to measure truth, you measure it by Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Standing therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, We... uh, we now have uh, bulletproof vests and bulletproof uniforms that uh, soldiers and our police officers wear. But the idea of the breastplate is to protect your chest, your, your vital organs, 
for those uh, boys under the age of 16 here, your guts, amen? Uh, you, You want to keep that part of your body intact if you're going to fight, amen? Well, how do we keep our heart in the right place? By covering ourselves with the righteousness that belongs to Jesus Christ. That's what protects our hearts. That's what keeps us and our desires in the right place. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. What's going to keep those wants and those desires in the right place? It is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Often we say, well, should a Christian go here or go there? Is it right for this or right for that? Um, Hey, be ready to go tell somebody about Jesus and you always be heading in the right place. Amen? And uh, above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And that is a beautiful illustration there. Uh, the Romans would have a, um, uh, a shield would often be base metal, would be brass, and then they would pull uh, several layers of leather over the top. And uh, what that, that would do was, as the, uh, if someone was throwing things and stuff, it would... Uh, bounce off the shield it, it, and it would not be uh, 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 there. The fiery darts would be extinguished by being smothered by the uh, wet leather that was there on the shields. What is the shield? It's faith. When the devil throws things at us, the measuring stick is faith. Does this teach me about who God is? Does this teach me that God is good? See, that's why I reject Calvinism. I don't need to be a scholar to reject Calvinism. I don't need to answer all of those things. What Calvinism teaches me about God casts aspersion upon the character of God. So how in the world could that be a faith? Uh, Let's just get rid of it. Uh, We don't need it. We don't want it. What we want is that which will bring faith. Use your faith. It says, whom resists steadfast in the faith. Talking about the devil. Uh, What the devil wants to do is keep you from being obedient to God. How many of you have ever had Sunday-itis? You're feeling pretty good. You wake up Sunday morning and it is just terrible. And uh, if you give in, I will promise you the symptoms alleviate themselves just after the time that it's too late to get to church. All of a sudden, you'll start feeling better. The headache goes away, the body aches, the uh, uh, general malaise will disappear. Uh, Listen, measure it by your faith. That will protect you. The helmet of salvation. Oh, do we live in a world of crazy, mixed up thought processes or what? I mean, the convoluted reasoning that is being uh, promoted by our uh, leaders and government, by different people today. uh, I mean, it, it is just beyond. What is evil is good. What is good is evil. How in the world are you going to keep your head screwed on straight, as we might say, using the phraseology of our day? The helmet of salvation is what keeps your mind clear and your thought process is directed in the right place. And it says, above all, taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I, I would like to present this just, just for your thinking that if we were to take the combined weaponry of the United States military, all of our guns and missiles and things like that, 
that we use our weaponry far more, a huge percentage, keeping the peace rather than propagating the war. There are countries who are afraid today to do anything to the United States because of the military ability that we have. Uh, how many of you have ever visited a military base? Uh, I'll tell you what, it is somewhat disconcerting as you walk up to the guard and there is a guy with guns all over. I mean, they got guns all over the place. And it's like, you know what? I think this would be the last place in the world that you'd want to try anything like that. Now, isn't that true? Uh, why do you think that in New York City, when the terror threat goes up, all of a sudden the National Guard is out there loaded to the max and they're not hiding them. They're showing those things everywhere they go. Why? Because they intimidate those who would want to engage uh, the police officers or to break the laws of the city, uh, part of that is simple intimidation. I want to challenge you that this world is deathly afraid of this book. I have watched huge giants of men quail at trying to give them a gospel track. Get away from me, preacher. I'm not going to give you anything that's going to hurt you. It's only going to help. I'm not going to be like that, you know. And they're terrified. But do you realize that when you take to carrying a weapon, you've got to follow a lot of rules? You know, I know in the Old West, they just put it up, pistols on their... Uh, no, and that's not really just the way it was because... If you're not careful, you're going to end up like Barney Fife. Only uh, that was funny when the gun goes off. But in real life, with a real gun, even with a blank, you might be lamed for life if it goes off on your side. Seriously. You can take a coffee can and uh, point blank with a pistol will blow that coffee can to shreds. That's how much power is in a blank. A full-size one, by the way. So, uh, you want to be careful carrying around the sword? Do you think that discipline of carrying the sword carefully is part of God's plan for helping you behave in the way that you should as a Christian? Hello? Hello? Uh, I want to challenge you to think about this armor a little differently than, than we do because here is what this, the soldier, the fully armored soldier is supposed to do. You'll notice the verse, the end of verse 17 is a semicolon. We're not even finishing the sentence here. This phrase is connected. This is what the soldier is supposed to do, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Do you realize that we solved so many problems by honest prayer? And that so many bad things happen in the lives of people trying to serve God is because they're not in a position to pray. And it says, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Every time we have prayer meeting, I try to remember, if I don't say it out loud, I, I certainly try to allude to it. How many people have unspoken requests? Hands go up all over the place. How many of us would be honest and say, I need other people praying for me? I mean, every one of our hands ought to be extended. We need prayers. Uh, I am so glad every once in a while I'll meet somebody and they'll say, Brother Montoro, I pray for you on a regular basis. Uh, we supported Brother Whitaker in, when he was in Belize. He's starting a church in Idaho, doing a great job up there. And just talking with him a couple uh, weeks ago or something, just keeping touch. He said, I want you to know I pray for you regularly. 
He said, you helped me at a very dark time in my life. And I want God to bless you. And I'm going, I want you to keep praying for me. Amen. I mean, that is what we are supposed to do as Christians. This is how we fight against the devil. Those unseen powers is by praying. And how does prayer work? Prayer does not empower God to do something that we want him to do. Prayer disciplines us and gets us out of the way so God can do what he wanted to do in the first place. Can we say amen to that? Can we? If not, we need to start over again, I think. We, we need to understand this is the work. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit uh, read Romans 8, the Spirit knoweth our infirmities. We don't know how to pray as we ought. It's the Holy Spirit of God that prays for us in, with groanings which cannot be uttered. And by the way, you can't utter them, so don't listen to people who say, well, that's me speaking in tongues. No, uh, the Holy Spirit cannot, the human vocal cord cannot pronounce these things. This is something between the Holy Spirit of God and God the Father praying for us, but we need to be at our Father's business in praying, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, do you know what the word supplication means? It means an earnest pleading. That's, that's simply what it means. I'll tell you what, you get a sick child, you know how to pray. Doctor looks at you and says, you have cancer. I'll tell you what, you're going to learn how to pray. But let's ask God not to take us down those dark paths so that we'll pray. Let's get this whole armor of God and start praying. And... It says, Paul says, not only should we pray for all saints, not only should we pray in the Spirit. In verse 19, he says, And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. You know, Paul, Paul is just being as transparent here as he possibly can. He said, I'm in prison. I do not have freedom. I cannot walk up and down the streets of Rome witnessing to people as you who have your freedom can do so. But you pray that I am bold and take advantage of every opportunity to witness. And... So we ought to pray for ourselves, for our church, for our missionaries. Then we get down to verse 22. And here's what Paul says. 21, I'm sorry. But that ye also may know my affairs and how I do. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things. Whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that ye might know our affairs, and that ye might comfort your hearts. Now, if you look here at the very bottom, my Bible, many Bibles have a little note there, written from Rome unto the Ephesians by Tychicus. He was uh, one of the people that was there in Rome with uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, and uh, Paul said, I need to send you on an errand. I need to send you. And, and guess who else was there in that crew? It was Onesimus, Philemon's servant that Paul had met when he was in Philemon's house and, and ministering in the church that met there. And Onesimus looked up Paul and, and got things right with God. And Paul says, listen, now you're going to have to go back home and get things right with your master. Now, Onesimus was a runaway slave. Uh, that meant he was fair game for anybody. 
to be taken advantage of, to be resold to someone else. Hey, he's traveling in the companionship of Tychicus who would have protected him and made sure that he was able to get back to his master safely and keep him in the way that was there. And Paul said, listen, here for the first time in the book of Ephesians, he takes a breath. He said, I'm sending Tychicus so he can tell you what's going on here because I want your heart to be comforted. I want you to know how things are going with us and uh, because I want you to be encouraged. Then verse 23, Peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that a... A little unusual wording there. He says, peace be to the brethren and love with faith. Again, what quenches all the fiery darts of the wicked? The shield of faith. What will keep you from this redefined, perverted thing the world calls love? Faith. You know, the greatest love that you can express toward another human being is to help them get closer toward the Lord Jesus Christ, to grow in their faith of the Lord Jesus. It's your faith that will help you to care about a person and love them in the right and proper and good way. Uh, I've heard people say, oh, I just... Love my children. I can never tell them no. That's not love. But if you love people with faith, you couldn't possibly just throw your hands up and let your children do whatever they want. Your faith demands better from you. Amen? And by the way, peace without boundaries is nothing more than slavery, is it not? That was part of the issues with the American Revolution. Uh, They could have had peace. All they had to do was pay the taxes and put up with the soldiers living in their homes and and, uh, just surrender everything and say, Oh, great King George III, the wisest and uh, gift of God to mankind to rule over us. Well, it didn't quite work out that way, did it? And uh, I think that's a good thing. And we have to understand that peace and love are regulated by faith and kept at healthy and good motivational levels by faith. Faith is what makes everything work. Peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. You know, the Bible in in the book of uh, 2 John warns us not to bid false teachers God's speed. And uh, so one of the greetings I've come up with based on the Bible is, May God bless you as you serve him. And uh, if you're not serving God, I don't want God to bless you. Because we've got enough people out there doing their own thing. Amen? And uh, Paul is simply saying, Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. If you, and by the way, what did Jesus say? If ye love me, what? Keep my commandments. That's not so difficult now, is it? This is the love of God. That we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. By the way, obeying God's word is faith. Believing God's word to the point of obedience. That's how you got saved. And as we just trying to try to tie up the book of Ephesians. We start here and, and Paul is giving them uh, just 
a, a very short uh, book here, six chapters, uh, certainly not as long as the book of Romans or either one of the books of Corinthians, uh, and, and yet it is just theologically, uh, it is one of the pivotal books of the New Testament. Paul explains more in this short little book of Ephesians about important biblical truth than even in some of the longer books. And the whole purpose here is so that this Ephesian church will know how to honor, worship, and live for God in a very foreign society to the gospel. Ephesian, Ephesus, the city of Ephesus in the ancient Roman Empire, uh, very, very similar to the place that New York City has in our world today. If you wanted to sin, you want to get away from the uh, morals, and the, uh, you went to Ephesus. Uh, Ephesus was a, a wicked town. It was a promoter of, of the most base and vile behaviors known to mankind. And they, they called it worship to uh, the uh, goddess Diana and the many different things that went on in the city of Ephesus. And here we have a church. In great and mighty Ephesus. And a pastor who was a very young and inexperienced man named Timothy for several years. And Paul is writing this book that is just so packed full of things. And he starts with understanding that God is over all. He uses the word predestinated. He uses... Uh, all, all of these different things. Chapter 2 is about our salvation. Uh, chapter 3 is uh, about the ministry of the gospel. 4 is about how the church ought to operate. 5 is how the Christians ought to behave in the church. And 6 is the mature Christian life. Taking the armor of God. The work of wrestling against the forces of evil. You got to be strong. And by the way, I'll tell you, there's no sport that takes more physical strength than wrestling does. I mean, it is just. Uh, and we're not talking about wrestling, okay? WWE, that's that's or whatever it is today. I uh, that is a bunch of. I'm talking about bona fide Olympic wrestling. Uh, uh, it takes more strength and more endurance than just about any other sporting event you can be uh, involved in. A three-minute match will exhaust you to the point where you cannot move even if, if you're thoroughly invested in the, the match in the way that you should. And how are we supposed to be engaged? By taking the armor of God and the work of the Christian. Prayer. Always. Praying for one another. Praying for our missionaries. Praying for the gospel to go forward. And understanding. Paul said, I'm an ambassador in bonds. But I want you to understand, God's still in charge. And I'm going to serve God, God's way, regardless of what's going on. And... The grace of God be with all them that love the Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. May God bless you as you serve him. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father.